hey, we're going to do a professional podcast, James Hinchcliffe. Are you ready? Wrong. Yeah, let's go. Okay. Today on the Marshall Pruitt podcast, and I'm Marshall Pruitt, and I named it after myself because I'm not very original. We have our Week in IndyCar guest episode. Who's on the other end of the line? We're reaching vice presidential status. Mayor was good. Uh, like Mayor Pete Buttigieg, I think you, you're making a run for something. I don't know what. The future president of Earth, James Hinchcliffe. How are you? I am well. And I also remember being on this show the day that you learned how to say Pete Buttigieg. So you remember today. That's awesome. That is great to hear. Uh, the no, old... that's not true. Okay. You, I forget why, but you, you made the con because you, you referenced him. Maybe it was in the. I'm trying to remember what we were doing. I think it was just this. If it, if it wasn't the, who the hell are you? But I don't know why you'd say him and who the hell are you. But either way, you, you, you said the name, and it was funny because it was the first time I'd been reading it quite a bit at the time, um, <clears throat> as he was making his bid uh, in campaigning. But I, I. Don't think I'd ever actually heard somebody say it. So in my head, it sounded very different. And then when you said it, I'm like, oh, that's how you do it. And then you made the comment. You're like, yeah, I just learned how to say that word today. I'm like, oh, there you go. Also fun. I have no why, I, why, idea why my brain defaults to Mayor Pete when I have you on the show. Who knows? So you know what we're going to do? We're going to say thank you. Incredible thank you to the Justice Brothers. Dear old friends of mine and supporters of the podcast. Cooper Tires, I tell you, they're mighty fine. They make the road to Indy go quick like bunnies. And torontomotorsports.com, don't know if you've ever heard of them. Little upstart company. They're from Canada, I believe. Um, heard of it. Heard of them. And then finally, Bell Racing Helmets USA. I actually had to decline a call from Chris Wheeler uh, just a moment ago. Why? From Bell Helmets because because you didn't want to talk to them. Uh, you know, we've kind of, kind of put that out there finally and formally. <laughs> so we do this little show and people send in questions and the yes. vast majority are awesome. So Excellent. we're going to start with the vast majority of that awesomeness in just one moment. But I figure before we do we'll that, start with the narrow minority of terrible questions, <laughs> Yeah, which starts oddly enough, uh, submitted from one M Pruitt. Hey, breaking news this morning. The new cast for Dancing with the Stars was announced. Have you had a chance to look through it? And have you glommed on to the one of all the folks that are going to get ready to dance her behinds off? That is just the most amazing get on the entire list. So I knew it was coming out this morning, and I was on my way to the right before I left for the gym. It hadn't quite been announced yet, so I couldn't watch it. And I went to the gym, and I've been flat out, so I actually have not yet seen who's on. So who's the who's the who's the magical guest or competitor? Carol Baskin from Oh, I Tiger heard King. they were trying to get her right. Heard, who who is she dancing with? Do you remember? I don't know who her partner is, but I do know that she's going to be going up against. Former San Francisco 49er Vernon Davis, uh, TV and film actress Anne Haish. I'm just going to mention the ones who I know. Uh, okay. Justina Machado, who uh, loved from Queen of the South. Uh, Backstreet Boy singer AJ McLean. Do I hear whispers of jealousy over the line here that you wish you were there competing against them? Boy. Um, TV person Jenny Mai. Uh, actor Jesse Metcalf. I'm going to. Just take that that's accurate. Uh, Grammy-winning rapper Nelly. Huh? The host of Catfish, Hinch, Nev Schulman. No way. <laughs> yes. yes. Or Neve. Is it Neve? I don't know. Neve, Nev Campbell, I somebody. I think it's Neve. Okay, we'll go with that. Uh, NBA superstar Charles Oakley, who is best known for just knocking people out. Uh, so that's fun. And then Olympic figure skater and on-air commentator, compared to off-air commentator, Johnny Weir. And there are a couple others as well I've never heard of. Oh, Caitlin Bristow from The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, apparently. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thoughts, commentary from a, a former, former highly competitive member of that cast on who they have lined up for 2020? It's it's impressive. That's a that's a hell of a lineup. You got some big stars on that one. So that's uh, I know they've uh, they've they really do? tried to ramp it up this year. Yeah, come on. 
Nelly and Hesh. Come on, these are like these are big names, and I mean, obviously the others as well. I'm dying. To know who my partner, my former partner, was uh, was dancing with because she danced with uh, Nick Carter, who is a Backstreet Boy, and then there's another Backstreet Boy. Yeah, uh, AJ I, McLean. I if they put her with the other one. Yeah, I'm again. I'm taking yeah. it on just full belief that this person is actually alive and is a backstreet boy so aj mclean huge thumbs up to you if you change your last name to aj mclaren i might be rooting for you but uh <laughs> yeah got the letters a little bit wrong there buddy well carol baskin well, i'll be watching i'll be watching i mean come on full tiger print i mean you know oh my gosh this is gonna be the best I, I, yeah I, I can only cringe at the thought of what kind of animal prints she's going to be wearing on the show. Now, if you were really a supporter, we're going to see some sort of video shot by the lovely Becky J. Hinch of you in some sort of leopard print, but also with a little Nelly Band-Aid under your eye, too, during the but very no, first I, show. I, I'm supporting my girl Sharna, so I got to I gotta figure out whoever her partner is, because that's, that's what I'm going to be voting for, obviously. Well... Do some engineering behind the scenes. All right, if we haven't put people to sleep already, why don't we start with the <laughs> questions that don't involve Dancing with the Stars? Yeah. Um, hey, we have our Minister of Mirth, Lance Snyder. I know who's a fan of your show. Uh, saying, Hinch, you've taken a broadcasting like a Canadian takes to Tim Hortons and maple syrup. What has been your strategy to prepare? Also, what were your first thoughts? When the producer told you to go interview Rossi after the debacle of the start in the first race. Oh my God. That was, if there's an award for cringe, you get it. Yeah, that was, that was a great story. Um, so the first, thanks for the question, Lance. First part is, uh, honestly, you do a lot to prepare. It's like, you've got to do a lot of homework and, and make sure you got all your ducks in a row. And it's obviously different if you're working pit lane versus versus up in the booth like i had the chance to do in iowa um but no it's it's a it's a tremendous amount of work and preparation and uh you know i'm very lucky that obviously i've got you know pretty active relationships with most of the people in pit lane be it drivers mechanics engineers strategists team owners whatever um that certainly helps but um well my dog's going to be going up here in a second i think I think the wife's getting home, but, uh, no, it was, it, it's honestly, it's a lot of fun. And, and everybody, the whole cast at, at NBCSN has, has been incredible to work with and, and really helping, you know, a, a nobody with no experience and qualifications and talent, uh, to get through these, uh, these weekends. The Rossi thing was hilarious because I was, he was in my side of pit lane, you know, Kevin and Kevin Lee and I split pit lane and, um, he was in my half and they're like, do you think you can get Alex? And this is when he was steaming down pit lane towards Colin Herta's uh, pit box. And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't think anybody can get Alexander Rossi right now. I don't know what you want me to do. And then he came back to his pit box and he was standing there and they're like, can you go try and get him? And I'm thinking, I, I don't want to do this. I know, <laughs> I know what it's like to be in that position. I know very, very specifically what he's like in this position. And this is just not a situation I want to insert myself in this is like the first thing i've done that's more dangerous than my other job while doing this job and uh and so i walked up to him and i was trying to just give him the like the the plea to like hey man i know i'm the last person you want to see right now but is there just any chance that you'll talk to me and the camera was already there and i'm trying to like i'm trying to like negotiate with alex to like get him to say something on camera and the, the producer just starts in my ear like, just turn your microphone on. And I'm like, no, I, he hasn't said yes yet. I don't want to be that guy. like, just turn your microphone on. And so I turn my microphone on. I was like, hey, buddy, <laughs> how's it going? What did you see? You know, and so. How's your race going, pal? Right, right. But I mean, I think, I think there might be like an Emmy coming because in that moment, I managed to make Alec, well, Alexander Rossi managed to make himself laugh. Which I don't think anybody was expecting, especially me. Uh, but it was magical, and it was one of the best interviews I've ever seen. And, and not because of who was asking the questions; it was just purely his reaction to it was was brilliant. But to your point, you were actually the perfect guy for the assignment because in seeing you, 
there was that comfort and familiarity and like, okay, uh, you know, this is a brother of mine. I can, if it was being asked, I think by anybody else, you would have gotten a no or super grumpy Alex. And it's not as if he wasn't grumpy, but you just have that ability to make someone look at you and go, okay, we can, we can diffuse the bomb a little bit. The, the fact that he had the wherewithal to make a joke referencing an iRacing event was just awesome. I, I, I give him so much credit that that's what was coming into his mind at that moment. It was, it was, it was beautiful. Oh, that is the best. Um, following on this from Thomas Gross says, Hinch, you seem to not shy away from asking challenging questions to your friends, uh, they all seem like they're kind of surprised. You would put them on the spot like Alex after the crash. Do they give you grief off air afterwards for asking some of those harder questions? It's a great question. And I, I, the answer is they haven't given me grief necessarily. No, to my face, Lord knows what they're saying behind my back. And Lord, no, I think we'll know better the next time I have to go approach them for a question. And they just simply blow me off. I think you can say a lot without speaking. But no, so far I haven't gotten any angry text messages after the fact. So I guess that's good. I guess that's the benefit of having you know a bit of a relationship with these guys is I can maybe get away with some of that stuff more easily. So in the little send in your questions thing that I posted on the social medias, it mentioned jokingly, is he a racer? Is he a reporter? Is he a racing reporter? Herta, Brian Herta popped up. He's a racer. And of course, we're not questioning your stature as a racer, but you have been doing this for a good long while since you were truly a pup champ car days, you and Jeremy Shaw and whatnot. I know you give yourself the appropriate level of dressing down of talent and ability and aptitude, but having listened to you in the booth and then also on pit lane, uh, I would say all but the most professional and long-tenured presenters should be seriously concerned about upping their game. And that's not blowing smoke. I think most who've watched on whatever platform they've followed, uh, I've got nothing but the most impressive of responses from folks saying, hey, forget him as a driver, personality, forget all that other stuff, just looking at him strictly as a guy speaking to a microphone, trying to offer expertise. This is about the best stuff we're getting. So uh, be humble, but also don't ignore the fact that folks are really responding to what you're bringing to the broadcasts. Well, I appreciate that. I really do. It's uh, that, That's all you want to do, right? I mean, I've, I've always said that one of my favorite things to do is educate people about IndyCar racing because I, I, I get the opportunity to travel around and meet a bunch of people. And, and in a lot of cases, you meet people that have never been to a race or don't really watch it on TV or they know a little bit about it but not that much. And you spend 10 minutes with them and kind of give them the, the, the crash course you know, bad choice of words, but, um, and they leave like, Oh, that's, Oh, I didn't know that. Or, Oh, that's so interesting. Well, I'll definitely tune in and watch the next one now. And it's, it's such a rewarding feeling. You know, I really, I just genuinely love this sport so much. And I love this series so much. And I just want to see it grow and get bigger and better. And so if that's, you know, that, that's kind of the, the, the mindset I take into the broadcast is, you know, that's what I want to do is I know if you're, if you're listening to the broadcast, you're already at least enough of a fan to have turned it on. But if you can even get, people who are watching and who are already fans that much more engaged or give them even a piece of information that they didn't know, then, then, you know, my job's done. And so, you know, if I can, if I can do that and keep doing that, then I'm happy. And if people watching are happy, then everybody's happy, Marshall. And that's the way it should be. I feel like breaking out in song almost. Unfortunately, it's a Megadeth song. So I'm going to hold <laughs> off on that. Uh, we're going to go to Nancy Warmington. On the topic of you, race car driver, James, any hope of seeing you back in a car in 2020? She also asks, uh, hey, Andretti and Genesis, they've got to be happy with you, right? I mean, you have to ask them. Again, I don't know if they're saying one thing to my face and one behind my back. Um, but, yeah, no, honestly, our program this year went went very, very well. And I think everybody's really pleased with what happened 
um, you know, you always are going to sit there and wish that some of the results were better. But um, I think running the way we did, when we did, with the experience we had at the time, was was a, was a very good effort. And you know, the team did a great job, kind of adding that extra car to those those few races. That's never an easy thing to do. Um, and, and Genesis was, was thrilled. I mean, for a company that's got no experience activating in, in sports period, never mind motorsports specifically, they did such an incredible job and they really knocked it out of the park. They made some longstanding IndyCar partners look silly, frankly, with, uh, with how much they did and, and how they activated right off, right off the bat. And even with all the weird, Ness of 2020 and, and not being able to go to races and all the rest of it. I think they uh, they still had a really positive experience and, and love IndyCar as a platform. So the the hope is is definitely that we can work together again in an expanded role next year. And um, for 2020, I'd say it's it's probably not super likely. You know, there was an outside chance of, of maybe one more weekend, but uh, I'm not holding my breath on that. I think that the more important thing right now is is focusing on 2021 and, and making sure we get back into full time. Always the obvious follow-up question, given your background in driving them sporty cars, is that something that you are dedicating any energy to see if and what might be possible there? There's what, I think five, four or five IMSA races left this year. There's World Challenge, of course, but is that anything that you put your attention towards just to stay active and do more things, or are you locked down on full-time 2021 IndyCar? Honestly, I mean, you know me, I'll drive anything with four wheels and an engine. And uh, we, we certainly had some calls at some point. The uh, the, the, the complication in, in this case in particular is that uh, NBC had actually had first dibs on me for some of those uh, to work them. And, and I think I'm going to be doing, you know, some of the ones that may have been more appropriate and you know a little more easy to get into a ride for so i I think for this year same kind of same kind of scenario is probably unlikely that uh i'll get any opportunities in that sense because i'm going to be probably working some of the remaining races for them uh but certainly you know already thinking about sort of daytona uh 21 and beyond you know I'd, i'd love to do some more of that stuff next year and we're still working hard on trying to pull off. We've been trying to do it for years now, but trying to pull off an Xfinity road course race and, uh, you know, whatever other fun stuff we can, we can come up with. I love it. I absolutely love it. Okay. We're not going to get too much further into the podcast without asking possibly the most prescient questions of all sent in by our pals, Paul Trahan and John Haskins. We'll go to Paul first. Hinch, your Indy 500 mask was awesome. Have you worn it in public? says, I think you should get similar masks uh, for other drivers and uh, wear them like a hybrid Lee Corso or maybe even Leatherface while pit reporting. What say you? Um, I like that idea. Like if you know you're going to go interview Michael Andretti, put on a Michael Andretti mask just to freak the poop out of him or your fellow drivers. Um, how much are we looking to up your mask game for shock, awe, and entertainment value? You know, I mean, I hadn't actually considered that as an option, but now that I've heard it, I absolutely love it. <laughs> so we might we might have to investigate this one pretty heavily and figure out, you know, who we think would be most affected by it, really focus on scaring the most people possible, uh, which I don't my mask alone already did a very effective job at. Uh, I was getting text messages from people around, you know, around – the country saying thanks for making sure my kids don't sleep tonight um <laughs> you jerk so you know it's um, that's that's why I, I opted to not wear it during uh you know the uh the weekend at, at worldwide technology raceway just to not uh not upset any of the viewers any more than i already had but no it's it's a great idea i think the best description i heard was that it actually looked like the guy from Texas Chainsaw Massacre had cut my face off and then just tried to put it back on or like he tried to put it on. It couldn't, it didn't quite fit. So then he tried to put it back onto me all kind of like stretched out and and distorted. Yeah. I think I replied something to the, like something along the lines of why the long face. So I don't know if that was appropriate (laughs) or not, but yeah, there we go. Nice. Um, There is, there is a picture from the driver intros and you know, I'm up there with, with Renus and Ryan and, and from like a safe distance, it doesn't look like I'm wearing a mask. Like it's very bizarre. It's a very bizarre look. It works though. I mean, dang it. That thing works. Um, maybe that's a, Hey, 
We just found another money raising thing. Hey, you want to help Hinch get into that full-time 2021 IndyCar seat? You could pay to have him wear your face on his mask. Huh? Like it's only, we'll do six, six of these million dollars a piece, right? It's reasonable. Okay. Dead air. Uh, Let's go to Steve Grinstead. It says Hinch in your hashtag me personally opinion would more testing by teams allow more passing on ovals as they get to know this new arrow screen. This is pivoting off of admittedly two days of not a lot of really exciting passing. There are a couple, but if we're talking the full body of 500 miles of racing in Madison, Illinois, there wasn't a lot of that. Um, So curious, uh, looking at what you've been able to observe, knowing that you've been able to race with the arrow screen this year, any suggestions you might fire in? on how we might improve the ability for cars to pass, even when we see leaders stuck behind the last person in line and can't get by. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think testing is, is the answer. I don't think that, I don't think that makes a difference. Um, if anything, that would, make, I, that would probably make it worse. Um, you know, part of what makes, I mean, what, what, what leads to passing is a difference in speed of cars and the more time everyone has to test, the closer that gap gets and the closer to the best guy everybody gets. And so the harder passing becomes. So testing certainly isn't, isn't the answer in my opinion, but uh, for sure that there are options. And I, you know, I just, I just want to, and we just, you know, we just talked about this on, on our show with Alex. I, I literally recorded it right before you called. Um, but it's, it's, it's important for everybody to remember that like, Everybody at IndyCar thinks about this and is working on this constantly. And, you know, this is not something that just is, is, um, we don't just sort of set it and forget it when it comes to the rules. There are so many different variables that go into what that perfect package is going to be at that particular racetrack. And I, I can go back to Texas, you know, and every year at Texas, you know, Tino Belli and, and, uh, and, and Bill um, at, at IndyCar are are constantly stressed out about trying to figure out, all right, what's the temperature going to be that weekend we're going to be there? And so what do we set the downforce limits to so that we've got good racing, but we don't have pack racing? And it's, it's, this, it's this incredibly difficult formula to unlock. And so many of the vari- variables, they change and they could change two days before, but you've already sort of made these decisions and the teams have already done their simulations based on X, Y, Z. So it's the, 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 the simple answer is there's no simple answer. Um, I do think that more downforce would help. Um, I think we're far from being in a place of being concerned about a pack race. Um, and, what was kind of the telling sign for me was at gateway, everybody was maxed out for us. So that tells me that we're not in enough of a window to give guys the confidence to like trim a little bit, to go for that straight line speed. If you're starting up front or, you know, if you're starting at the back, you know, you got to make a bunch of passes. Let's, let's lean the wing back and really go for that, you know, speed down the straightaways. Um, everybody was max. And so I do think more downforce, more efficient downforce is, a uh, is something that we could move to, more power is coming, whether you think it's a solution to the problem or not. You know, that's, that's on the plan. IndyCar has made that very clear. Over the next few years, it's going to be bumping up incrementally um, until, you know, I think we're, we're going to be 900 plus, you know, within a couple seasons here. So I think the combination of, um, of those things will kind of naturally help it out. But there's no doubt that the first year with the Aero Kit, extra weight on the front like that, uh, it's been a little bit more challenging this year at a lot of the tracks that we've gone to, but we're learning, you know, and, uh, and IndyCar is very aware of it and we all want to put on a good show for you guys. And the driver's opinions are, are always asked and taken into consideration. So it's something that we're working on for sure. Other thing I'd mentioned, Steve is at the end of my little brain dump column after uh, worldwide technology raceway. The last thing that I mentioned was about the passing and you never want to give any series just an instant pass you want them to work as hard as they can try as hard as they can you mentioned bill pappas tino belly they are absolutely obsessive about getting things right and trying to make the greatest racing possible through error configurations and such need to acknowledge though this is not a normal year indycar has wiped 
all testing off the schedule. Some of the spots where they might have said, hey, uh, we would love to say get Dry and Reinbold to bring two cars and maybe get, who knows, another team. But we want to go to an Iowa. We want to go to a gateway. We want to go wherever and play with packages and see what we can come up with that we think might promote the best passing. Haven't really had that opportunity to do that this year with everything going on that we know that is going on. I would expect, assuming things get back to normal next year, Hinch, that we would indeed have more on-track testing. IndyCar going out and trying to do more of this in real-world situations than just CFD and Sim and whatnot. So that's the caveat that I throw in, not giving IndyCar a pass just for the sake of it, but this year with a new thing with the aero screen and essentially no testing since, what, uh, Coda? In February, in terms of an official test, the ability to go out and really refine and try and play and come up with that thing that allows exactly what Hinch is talking about this year, not so much. So uh, I don't want to hammer him too hard because the good old Corolla virus has really kicked a lot of things we would normally do to the curb. Let's go to a man by the name of Jim Johnstone Hinch. And we love Jim. Why? Well, he coined an acronym that we use on the show, started using right around when your employment uh, circumstances changed. Uh, We refer to the team you used to drive for, thanks to Jim, as Spam, and we sing it. Uh, Jim is the man who coined Spam, uh, much to their dislike and request that I not use it. But hey, this is my podcast. It's an independent production. I get to be an (laughs) asshole on it. There you go. Uh, Jim, who coined the term Spam, says, hey, Jimmy Hinchcliffe's solid performance at the 500. Uh, Curious, though, says, has that performance helped you make any headway towards landing more sponsorship? opening more lines of communication for that full-time ride you want next year. Then he has a, uh, a closer of here. Also, my son is in his second year of karting up here in Canada. Do you have any advice for a young kart racer who says he wants to race at the big speedway one day? Well, I love that. I just love, I love hearing that. You know, I love the thought of more Canadians coming up through the ranks and, and eventually getting into, into IndyCar and, uh, best piece of advice I can give him is the same piece of advice that uh, that Greg Moore gave me when I met him at the Honda Indy Toronto back in 1999 and that was just don't give up it's a it's a tough tough sport you've got to work very hard you've got to sacrifice a lot it's not always going to go your way there's going to be bumps along the road but it's the ones that are persistent and never give up that uh, that get those opportunities you know which are sometimes so few and far between but you, you got to still be there to get that opportunity and then make sure that you've you know prepared and done all your homework so that way when you get that opportunity you can perform and and uh and hopefully do what you need to do to move up and that's kind of what I lived by when you know we were going through bad times in my junior career coming up and thought a bunch of times it was done it was over and uh we just never gave up and and here we are so that's uh that's my advice there and thanks for the you know thanks for the kudos on indie it was yeah honestly it was a, it was a whole solid month two weeks august whatever you want to call it um for us in the 29 genesis car and and again not enough credit can be given to andretti autosport to prepare that many cars for that place that competitively man that's that's a challenge like you can't even believe and uh you know we're the we were the bonus jonas i know that going in and uh, and even still, we had a, a wicked fast race car and, and had a really solid race. And, um, you know, that definitely reminded people that we still know how to do it and uh, and definitely doesn't hurt the conversations moving forward for 2021. So fingers crossed, hopefully in the not too distant future, we'll have some good news. I love it. I'm going to wind down to the last handful of questions here, starting with what might be the best of the entire episode from our man, John R. La Follette. says, I know James is a big fan of Jacques Villeneuve who used his handsome winnings from auto racing to form a solo music career. He asks if James could karaoke with Mr. Villeneuve, what are some songs on that playlist? 
Well, unfortunately, it wouldn't be anything from his album. Um, <laughs> for many, many, many reasons. Oh, you're one uh, of those guys who likes good music. Whatever. You're such a dick. <laughs> well, and also a lot of it's French. So, you know, I, I can't keep up. He uh, is Jacques. He's from Practice France. Yes, he is from Practice France. From Practice France. Um, I mean, I feel like that. I think, I think it came after The Real France, so it's more like leftover france or something Ooh. i don't know shots um, fired the quebecois <laughs> will be uprising you're in trouble i kid i kid i kid um well i mean i don't know man uh i'm not a great singer so it would have to be something where it's like more talking than than like singing singing rapping? actually you know what well yeah i can rap i could definitely do some of that uh but you know, one of my favorite songs was always kind of my my racing amp up song when I was a kid. Carding was uh, Spencer Davis group "Give Me Some Lovin'," obviously made famous by Days of Thunder. And uh, in terms of you know, it's a f- connection to racing. But so yeah, two racing drivers and like one of the best racing songs of all time, in my opinion. I, I could I could karaoke that with Jacques. I was thinking like DMX or something, but you know, um, okay, yeah, we could do that. We'll we can go do that too. Spencer Davis group for sure. I can see the two of you doing <laughs> hip hop hooray. That would be so fun. Not necessarily good, but fun. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, all right, damn it. We're going to get serious again here. Slightly serious. Comes from our pal Keith Douglas Swanson. You got to respect a guy that throws in his middle name, right? For sure. I mean, th- there's, there's clearly a, a Douglas angle that means something to Keith. This is James. Last few years, had a couple of major gut punches. It says, during both of them, uh, you've handled yourself with such grace and humility. Can you share who and or what shaped your psychology and your scope on life? Ooh, I think we might have an opportunity to talk about Jer Bear and the uh, parental units. Yeah, you nailed it. You nailed it. It's uh, it's my dad. I mean, he... Uh... I mean, not to say my mom obviously wasn't a big part of that too, but, um, you know, my, my dad is, uh, he's a, you know, raised in England, you know, it's kind of proper British guy in a lot of ways and was always just, was always just super kind of stoic with anything that was going wrong in, in, in our lives. And, uh, you know, we had different, you know, different things that families go through, you know, above and beyond all the insane things that you suffer through as a, as a wannabe driver going through that, you know, with, with my parents and, and that whole journey through your junior career. But dad always just had this, this calm about him, um, you know, this belief that everything was going to work out the way it was supposed to. And, uh, that was something that I, I didn't even, I didn't even necessarily have to work at it. I just sort of inherited it from him. Uh, because I was, I was around it so much as a kid and, um, and, and, and he was right. It did, it always worked out, you know? And, and I think it's because if you, if you don't have the mindset that something's gone wrong or something's working against you, it's just, this is happening for a reason and you have to just figure out what that reason is and how to make the best of the situation. It just, it, it, I don't know. It, you don't have that defeatist attitude and then more opportunities present themselves and you're prepared to take them, I guess. So, you know, for sure, um, that was it. That was a huge, huge part of it. And then, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a sports fan and I've watched a lot of uh, different kinds of sporting events over the years. And I always am really fascinated, um, watching interviews with guys that have just gone through something like that. Um, you know, some, some crushing defeat or, uh, you know, some career setback or something. And, and you remember certain ones and how they handled it. And you always think to yourself, man, if I'm ever in a position like that, I hope I've got, you know, half the grace that that guy did in that situation. And, um, and, you know, honestly, fortunately, and, and I say this, I say this very honestly, I, fortunately I have been through situations like that. Um, because, they're great learning moments. Uh, they're great moments for sort of personal growth as, as maybe corny and cheesy as that sounds, but you learn a lot about yourself in those moments and, uh, you definitely learn to appreciate uh, certain things more in those moments and not take certain things for granted in those moments. And so I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that I've, I've kind of lived the life that I have and have had the career ups and downs that I've had because it really does put a lot of things into perspective, you know, and, uh, 
and knowing how you handle those situations, I think is an important thing for someone to know. And I, I, I'm proud of how I've, you know, come through a lot of that stuff and, and no doubt uh, a lot of that's due to, you know, how I was raised. I appreciate the fact Hinch that after you had your hellacious life threatening crash, your response to that was what was expected, right? You are young in your prime, big physical setback. The race car hurt you and hurt you badly but the goal and desire to get back as soon as possible, that was never in question. And we saw all that. You did all that. Perfect. Have your career turned off. Surprisingly, not saying you're old by any means, but you've been doing this in IndyCar full time since 2011 to have that happen at the end of the decade. That could be a pivot point mentally, well, geez, this is not going to be easy. We know that there are so few paying opportunities in IndyCar. That could have been a bit of a different inflection point for you. All right, well, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe this little ride's over and I got to go find something else. What impressed me was the same fight demonstrated when you were badly injured came when you weren't physically injured but you had the thing that you love taken away and had to decide, all right, do I fight to get back in or do I, I don't know, do I do something else? That's what impressed me the most because you could have kind of waved the white flag and surrendered. And I don't know if anybody would have really criticized you. No, for sure. I mean, it was definitely a turning point. Um, and, and, and it could have, it could have turned a different direction very easily. And, uh, and, you know, I, I think, I think you're right. I don't think a lot of people would have, would have looked at that in a negative way, but, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not done. I, I was, I wasn't supposed to be done and, and I know that and, uh, and I don't feel close to done. So, you know, once, once you set your mind to something, it's, it's amazing, you know, how powerful that can, uh, that motivation can be. And it was funny cause it was, it was even a bit different, you know, I mean, what what happened to me in 15 was a, a random act of nature you know it was a, a freak set of circumstances what happened at the end of 2019 was a was a deliberate decision and in a lot of ways that's more painful um but regardless it was it wasn't going to keep me down um it was uh it was it was highly motivating in a lot of ways, you know, and it, it reminded me that even after all that, I still wanted back as as badly as I did. I still love this sport so so much, and yeah, there were times last year, honestly, where I wasn't sure, you know, some of the some of the off track stuff that that I experienced and had to deal with. It really took the fun out of IndyCar racing mm. for me, um, and being out of that situation now and uh with the partner that i've got in genesis who are just amazing and so supportive uh want me to be me and they're just as nuts as i am has been great and you know andretti autosport is is like going home in a lot of ways because of the time i spent there in the early ones and uh it's the the, the three races that i got to do and, it's, and especially through may like or may god i keep saying just that. go with <laughs> it i'm never gonna get yeah. it right as well right especially through the indy 500 process you know i just because the the other race weekends it was obviously great to be back but they were they were super rushed they were very different uh formats than normal and i hadn't really had a chance to get to integrate it with the team very well because it all sort of happened you know through through the shutdown or whatever but but the time we had at indy that was a lot closer to a normal indy setup you know format wise just minus the fans it, other than that it was pretty much the same um, and, and, and having that experience again in an environment that I just felt at home at and, and felt supported in and appreciated in was just great. And it's, it's done nothing but add even more gas to the fire. So it's, uh, again, everything happens for a reason. I, I truly believe that. And, and I'm where I'm supposed to be right now. Amen. And the church says, amen. All right. I'm going to close it with uh, three here, two of them on the same topic. We've got one kind listener that has asked when are we going to do a crossover off track with Hinch and Rossi in Week in IndyCar podcast to which I say 
So we just want to disappoint twice as many people, possibly. <laughs> uh, and our good pal Shauna Oakwood asks, Hinch, which reunion has been better? Getting back with the Andretti Autosport team or being back with Sirius XM? She says, I've been loving getting weekly off-track episodes instead of bi-weekly or eh, whenever you and Alex feel like yeah. doing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> she also says, I think Marshall's listeners would enjoy the Rossi, uh, Rossi's 11 slash great key heist of 2020 story. Um, this is, I'm always glad to hear my two favorite IndyCar people coming together. So I don't know. Do we start the disappointment tour and just watch our traffic plummet, uh, by merging <laughs> the pe- the peanut butter and chocolate here? Or what do you think? I mean, what I would love to do is if we're going to do it, I mean, this is, this is, uh, you know, within the industry and within the world. I mean, with, as far as pop culture, wow, we're going big. our two shows coming together would be an event. I mean, I don't want to use the term break the internet because that was coined <laughs> by someone I don't have a ton of respect for, but, uh, you know, I, I think it could be big. So I think the only way to do it appropriately is when we're all allowed to be, uh, at a racetrack together we get together and, I mean, dare I say a live combined show? Oh, oh, yes. That would be, right? yeah, because mine are just, pardon, this is an earmuffs moment, mine are shit shows, but that's why I love them. And I usually invite some really good people and we just, yeah, we, we pay no attention to quality and we tell, don't bring your kids usually, but they're a lot of fun and you guys have a lot of fun when you do your thing. So I love that idea. I will mention, not that it's a sore spot. Did you know today with your appearance marks your 11th, 11th turn up here on my little podcast? Um, really? Yes. Oh, and that's. That's amazing. I know. And let me see. I've had Rossi on one, two, three, four, five or six times. You know how many times I've uh, been on your podcast? <laughs> I do. I, I do know that. That'd be a uh, goose egg there, buddy. I, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I see how, I mean, look, I invite you, uh, you know, the invite doesn't have to come back, but, uh, you know. No, but, but Marshall, point it's, like, taken. it's like, no, 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 no. It's like this, right? You know how when you've got a friend that's like, I mean, let's just call it what it is. Like it's like a really successful, wealthy friend that has like a beautiful home and they've got like a sick pool out back and maybe even like like butlers and bartenders and you go over for like a cool party there or like a nice dinner and it's all catered and it's all great. And then it's like, well, yeah, I don't want to invite them back to my house, which is disgusting and covered in dog hair just to order Papa John's, you know. We just don't feel like we're at the level to offer you what you deserve and what you give us every time we come on your show. The quality of that fabricated response is that is impeccable right there. <laughs> I mean, of all the BS you have flown, brother, that is awesome. Um, I'm learning. Yeah, but Shauna. Oh, wait, hold on. I've got a question, though. Who's been on your show the most? Who's got the record? I think. It's funny because Kanan gives me hell all the time. You know, you always got hole on that piece of crap podcast of yours. Um, I think it has to be Mike Hall. He's kind of the people's champ in that regard in terms of the podcast Fair. 24 times. Uh, and this is going to be episode 932. So, yeah. Or, you know, it might have been Miller. I mean, he and I did the week in IndyCar together each week yeah, for about yeah. the first. So new, But if we're talking choosing guests compared to yeah, full-time yeah. co-host i think it's mike right. hull probably um i now he won't even talk i gotta go through his agent there's booking fees oh <laughs> it's brutal what's his what's his rider like what's on that first of all free reign of yoda speak so he gets to say whatever he wants even if it doesn't make a thousand percent uh sense it sounds amazing, so he's given free reign right there. Um, minimum two mentions of Chip, right? Yep. Got to got to make sure that that Chip is appreciated. Of course, he, Dixon definitely. There's at least one mention uh, of his immense talent, and after that, it's usually at least one story about our mutual friend, Racer Magazine founder Paul Fanner, and how good he was not as a formula four driver when Mike was his instructor 
in his famous <laughs> entry in Mike's uh, in Paul's uh, novice logbook, uh, paraphrasing. Uh, excellent work on the straights and uh, let's do more work on the corners so <laughs> so yeah there's no like got to take the brown m&ms out of the bowl kind of thing yet right. he hasn't quite reached the van halen rider status but he should um i mean but all kidding aside who doesn't love kind of going to the school of mike hall um oh is, man he's well, one of the best guys to have dinner with because yeah. he can just tell you the best stories and yeah and the stuff that you can't repeat is even better, right? I mean, right. yeah, but we should talk about that because that's teasing people. Shauna, thank you. And yeah, once uh, the world allows us to be in close congregation and to have crowds, uh, we'll certainly uh, look to do this and have some fun together because, I mean, heck, I love having Alexander and James on my shows whenever. So yeah, we'll, we'll put together a little shindig here. Penultimate question, talking about people that we love. This comes in from our good man, Lawrence Cunningham, a not only huge IndyCar fan, but also someone that whenever there is a charity thing, something to do to donate to help folks that one of us might be involved in, Lawrence always steps up, and he doesn't step up with pennies. He steps up with real contributions. So just a, a quick appreciation for Mr. Lawrence Cunningham Mommy. of Mommy. Indiana. Uh, he says, Hinch, can you talk about your relationship with Derek and Toronto Motorsports? how it began, and also, after Roger Warwick's tune of you in the locker room, uh, maybe you better not be wearing Danica's pumps around Paul Tracy. <laughs> I mean, that's a deep, that that's, well, oh, that's a finely crafted <laughs> we'll, submission, Lawrence. We'll leave that rabbit hole for a hot second. Um, yeah, no, so Derek uh, from Toronto Motorsports, I've known him for quite a while now, um, you know, he and I originally kind of started working together. Um, man, I, I want to say it was my rookie season uh, in IndyCar, um, putting together some some merch to sell at the race in Toronto. And uh, you know, he's just he's one of the most passionate guys out there. Uh, you know, supporting the racing community, and he's he's so good to work with. He's so easy to work with. He's one of those guys you just have handshake deals with whenever we're you know involved in something together, which I just love. And uh, he's always got ideas. You know, he'll he'll text me at random hours of the night, and be like, "Hey, man, what do you think about this?" Or if him and Roger are working on a new tune for a weekend, he'll send it out and be like, "What do you think about this one?" And he's just, uh, you know, he'll he'll work his tail off to get anything done you need to get done. And uh, and and he's, he's great, man. I, I I really enjoy working with him, and, and I enjoy you know seeing how much you know he gives back to to the racing community, how involved he is, and. Uh, you know, how he gives his time and, and, and stickers and T-shirts to whoever is in need. Um, and obviously a, a supporter of this fine establishment that we're on at the moment. Uh, but no, Derek's, Derek's great people, man. He's, he's the kind of the kind of people you love meeting at the racetrack and, and the kind of friendships that, uh, that last, you know, long after the, the track days are done. A fine human being with a big heart. So, yeah, mm. that always works for me. We're going to close the show with a fine submission from Tony Mueller. Hinch, good news! Your super producer of Ask on Track, Thim, won the lottery, and he'll sponsor your full season and dready ride. No nah, more bro. sponsor seeking required. Nah, paid, well, but paid full-time seat for the next five years. Man, Thim is just killing it here. I would love to know which little kind of grocery corner lottery store uh, joint he went to to get it though um however thim wants to either be as a part of this condition for this five-year sponsor deal your race say, strategist considered essential in this oh yes okay. oh yeah so in order to have that contract put in front of you for that five-year guaranteed yep. and ready contract he either yep. wants to be your race strategist yep. your right front tire changer or yep. have giant stickers of his face all over your car Wants to know, Tony wants to know, of the three, which one, or possibly all, would you give in to? And then also, why would you rather say no and just sign a five-year deal with NBC? Right, right. So um, I would rather say no and just sign a five-year deal with NBC because it's already difficult dealing with him for one hour a week. And if he was my sponsor, it would just be the worst thing ever. Um, but I do really like racing IndyCar, so... If those were my options, the, the short answer is, I mean, the very easy answer is his 
just super unpleasant face on the car, whatever size he wants, because technically he's paying for it, so that's fine. And it's also it's also something he can't screw up. Like his face is just what it is. You can't screw that up in a sticker on the car. But if he was a strategist nah. in charge of strategy, nah. or if he was doing right front, there's a lot of things he can screw up doing that. And but then, you're missing and the would. stickers. Right, him doing like re- hiring a super low quality company to do the stickers. No, they, no, 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 they no, no, peel no. off, it, wrap around your tire. The deal wasn't that he got to do the stickers. The oh. deal was that it was stickers of his face. Okay, right? so I will take the very skilled, and well spotted uh, Andretti Autosport uh, personnel that handle that and let them work their magic with the absolute mess that they're being given in terms of what they actually have to place on the car. I, I, I'd have to go with you on this one. I yeah. still think there'd be a way for these stickers to fly off, wrap around the rear wing, the tire. You're getting black flagged, you know, of course, Tim's involved. fly off. And of course would wrap around Rossi's arrow screen. So he couldn't see out of it. These are the things that just would naturally happen, uh, as well. So yeah, there's n- not much positive. About this. There really isn't. There really isn't. I guess gainful employment is the only kind of positive that comes out of it, but even then, I don't know if it's worth it. Signing up for five years of misery. Eh, we'll go ahead and do that. Tony, thanks for your question. Thanks to everybody for some fun questions. Hinch, as always, brother, I could do this every day with you. It's so much fun. Hopefully, we're going to see you do some more great nbc work here calling them indycar races and yeah we're gonna stay tuned to hopefully also hear that you're gonna get to do more of that race car driving next year less that's the goal less holding microphones more holding steering wheels the james finch story coming to lifetime (laughs) all right brother we'll speak to you soon yes sir appreciate it